Passion and interests are the root of any great project. They form the core and heart of what you want to show to the world. Join me, Zach Walsh, and Adela as we talk about her two-player role-playing game, Wisp. We discuss the game, a passion for the Fae, and the ways that games can help us explore parts of ourselves. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast about discovering projects you may have missed. Today I am very, very happy to be here with somebody I've been trying to get on the show actually since the second or third episode, Adela. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for coming to talk about Wisp. Hi, thanks for having me. When I said I've been trying since like the very beginning, I think I found Wisp while like it was one of the first things I found on Kickstarter actually. And I oh, noticed really? that you and I from Yeah, I, I was looking for um uh, I was looking for people to bring on. I was super nervous starting out. And I started right around the end of January, so I discovered a Zine Quest on on Kickstarter, and I happened to stumble across Wisp, and I was like, "Oh, this looks really interesting," and I'd love to speak to you. I sent you a spur of the moment email, and <laughs> that kind of went down to what we're at now. So, could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, Adela? My name is Adela. I am uh, I'm 28 years old. I live in Canada, in Ontario, rural Ontario. And I love all things fantasy and fae. (laughs) And I write games about that stuff now, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I noticed that on your website too, actually, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit further on. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So I'm also well well, let's jump into that first. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Okay, so you're you're what? Sorry that I interrupted you. I'm I'm a little excited. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, I'm actually a dance studio owner. Is my main. That's what I do for a living. Wow. Um, the games writing is a thing I just kind of picked up last year. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. I had no idea. Yeah, that's that's sweet. So let's talk about that adoration for Fey and Fey creatures. Where did that start? When it actually started, I don't know because I've loved fairies for as long as I can remember. Actually, no, that's not true. I do remember. When I was in preschool, I went to I was I went to a home daycare preschool. Okay. Uh, and the the teacher photocopied Cicely Mary Barker's Flower Fairy Alphabet coloring book. Uh, and that is how I learned my alphabet. And <laughs> I worked my way through coloring every single page of that book. And then I got extra photocopies of it and brought them home and colored them more. And that's, I think that's where it started because I would have been three or four at the time. Uh, And then I, every time I went to the library, I would look for fairy books. There was one particular book, which actually I, I cite as inspiration for Wisp and all of my fairy games, which is, I say all. There's only two. Anyway, um, <laughs> it is uh, called Good Fairies and Bad Fairies by Brian Froud. Brian Froud is my favorite fairy artist. He is incredible. Um, and his art basically inspired 
a lot of my um, a lot of my love of of the the creatures a lot, of, a lot of my love of fairies and a lot of the way that I wrote my fairy games um there that book good fairies bad fairies is a book I used to sit for hours pouring over at the library when I was a kid so yeah that's incredible that's that's such a young age to to really get into something like that and then I started doing I was homeschooled as a kid and so we were allowed to write we were allowed to do projects on anything we wanted so I did a project on fairies and I researched and I wrote uh, I made a like a presentation about fairies and uh, then I had a fairy themed 10th birthday party and gave my presentation at it I'm sure the kids uh, loved that um, <laughs> And <laughs> I built fairy houses in the backyard and I, I was always drawing fairies even up through high school and yeah. And then I started writing fairy games eventually. Oh, that's, I love that. That's so much fun. So yeah, we're actually here to talk about one of said fae games and that is Wisp. Can you tell the audience a little bit about what Wisp is? Because I think this is one of the most interesting games that I've seen in a little while. Oh, thank you. Wisp is a two-player emotional storytelling game uh, about a will-o'-the-wisp leading a mortal through a bog. Uh, a will-o'-the-wisp is a... Oh, I should have done a little bit more research and had this more in my brain before I <laughs> came on here. But um, it is a creature from, from folklore, Celtic folklore, um, that some, some say is a lost spirit, a ghost of a human who got lost in the bog. Others say it's just a fey creature, a magical creature. Others say it's just fireflies, but it's one of those stories inspired by fireflies, supposedly, uh, about a light, a mystical light that leads people to their deaths in the bog. <laughs> they are very cool and very creepy. I love them. Yeah, they are a... They are one of my favorite types of fae, and um, I just, I loved the idea of having a story that explores the push and pull between that fae creature and the mortal that they are luring into the bog, and the relationship that would develop as they make their journey. It's it's one of those things where it, it feels like it's something that a lot of people other, like other people would have thought about. But I think the closest thing we've really gotten to that story is Brave from Disney. And that really didn't touch on the thing <laughs> at all. Or the Wisp. Not really. quite. Not a lot. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of contemporary fairy stories that focus on the actual fae. I mean, there's all of Disney's Tinkerbell stuff, but those are not fairies as they are in folklore. <laughs> so No, no, they are not. <laughs> They're a lot closer to the first fairies that I fell in love with, which are the Sicily and Mary Barker flower fairies, which are also not fairies from folklore. From folklore. No, not at all. So one of the major things about this game, and I've I watched a couple of the streams when you were starting to do this up, this can be a super sad and melancholic game. Oh, it is meant to be. <laughs> yeah. So Absolutely. can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I've, I have always loved games that make me cry. Um, it's one of my and and stories and books and movies. It's one of the things that I love about art <laughs> um, is when it can make you really feel 
strong emotions. And I know that all of the games that have made me cry in the past have been because of relationships between characters, regardless of what type of relationship it is. But when they get deep and intimate and there is... When there's a, when there are things at stake for both members of the of the relationship, it's emotional, and I wanted that to be the main focus of the game. And that's done through the slider in the deck, right? Yeah. So the game, um, the basic, the main mechanic of the game is mood based. There is a mood scale uh, that both of the characters have tokens on, and it's they slide back and forth between two extremes of basically their their circumstance and the moods are different depending on if you're playing the wisp or the mortal but each scene that you play will end up with a certain mood and then you will slide that way on the scale and then the game finishes when both characters have reached an end of their scale and the the combination of moods you have at the end will determine the type of ending you have and there are four different types of endings some of them good some of them pretty bad yeah, most of them kind of rough. <laughs> for at least one person. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there yeah, there's only one ending that is good for both characters. <laughs> I think that's part of the thing that makes Wisp so interesting is that you can play it a lot of different times and have a very different story. Yes. But it almost feels like it'll come to this natural conclusion. Yes, and I, I meant from the beginning for it to be leaning into the tragedy. So I, I always meant for there to only be one possible good ending for and, it, and for it to be really hard to get to that ending. Because I like the tragedy. <laughs> and, and also just the story of a will-o'-the-wisp leading a mortal into a bog is inherently going to be tragic. The ending that is good in this game is not, uh, not true to the folklore of will-o'-the-wisps. <laughs> No, no, it's definitely not. And one of the, the things that's great about that, too, is that it's um, you, you built it into this tragedy. And that's so hard to do, especially with role playing games. And one of the things that's really cool about this is that it's um, it's free form, but not at the same time. And I really like that. Uh, can you talk about the deck a little bit and how that works with this game? Because it's really interesting. Um. So uh, that's how. How I started writing the game was I I knew that I wanted to use card-based prompts uh, inspired by the quiet ear. That was kind of my initial because I I was my first thought was I'm I want a will of the wisp to be leading a mortal through a swamp. In the beginning, I thought that they would be drawing a map while they did it, so I was basing on the quiet ear where you're drawing a map while you're drawing cards from a deck. And then I realized I didn't need the map to to build the world. But I started out by drawing, by writing all of the prompts down, just a huge long list of prompts before I decided anything else about how the game was going to work. Uh, the prompts are, some of them are inspired, I'm sure that I got the original idea of the way the prompts work from uh, Mobile Frame Zero Firebrands games. Um, I don't, I have not played the original game, but I play a lot of Firebrands hacks and uh, in particular the the mini games that involve two characters um, talking in intimately was kind of okay. the inspiration for the way that I do the prompts. And so uh, Firebrands, is that another role-playing game then? I'm not super familiar with it. 
Uh, yes, it's a role-playing game by Vincent Baker and McGay Baker. Um, and it is a game that has basically just a bunch of mini games that you play. Uh, it's all, it's GMless. It's all, um, there's no, not a lot of actual mechanics. It's all narrative based with prompts uh, for each mini game. Um, and I, I love Firebrand's games. I've played, like I said, I have not played the original game, um, but <laughs> I play, <laughs> um, my favorite is Divine Mundane, which is a, a game about gods and mortals. Uh, oh, oh, I've heard of that one. Actually. Some of the, I have heard of that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is excellent. Um, all of the games are, are really, really, really good. So. Yeah, that's where I got the idea for the kind of GMless um, prompt-based scene setting. If that makes sense. Well, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Uh, and while we were talking about setting this up, you mentioned that TTRPGs and uh, these kinds of games really let you explore yourself um, and <laughs> who you were. So can, can you tell me a little bit more about that too? Sure. Um, I mean, the biggest thing that that playing TTRBGs, well, there's two two biggest things that that they've done for me. Um, I started playing games regularly in 2019 uh -huh. after becoming obsessed with an actual play podcast that uh, kind of introduced me to the world of games outside of D and D. Okay, uh, that's Friends at the Table is the podcast. Uh, oh, so I started playing. Great. Yes, <laughs> they are wonderful. Um, so I started playing TTRPGs uh, with other fans of the podcast. And um, it the, the first thing that it did was it just helped me with uh, my interpersonal skills, my talking, my um, confidence. I... I have never been much of a talker in my entire life and have always been pretty shy. Um, but there's something about playing with people online and in a group, in a collaborative setting that just, it makes it so much easier. And I started, I gained a lot of confidence from storytelling with strangers and then with friends as I started to get to know people better in the community. So I think that's a really common thread with a lot of the people who come on here and are players of tabletop games. Um, for myself, actually, that's that's a really similar story. I started playing in the winter of 2018. I started playing games, and it was because I felt like I lacked a lot of confidence. So getting out there and mm -hmm. meeting people, it was kind of a, a one-off night when I, during the midst of a mental breakdown, was like, I need friends. Oh. <laughs> and that's that's kind of how I got started in this kind of thing. That's more or less how we got here. So yeah, yeah, games helped me through a lot that year, too. Um, I played. I play. I started playing. You know, every every other week, and then every week, and then several times a week, and it got me through a really rough summer that year, and then. There are times now, now I will reach for games that I know are easy and not going to be stressful and play with friends that I know will uh, be, be patient with 
uh, whatever I'm going through at the time. And I'll say, you know what, I'm having a rough day. I want to play this game right now. And people will be like, you know what, let's do it and not worry about the rough day. <laughs> and That's perfect. Yeah. That's great. And I'm sure it's really helped amidst the quarantine as well. Oh, absolutely. Well, we, the community that I play in, we kind of all burnt ourselves out the first week of quarantine last year because we were all, uh, we were all like, oh, we're all in lockdown. We should play so many games. And there were just game. there were like three games in the server a week, three games a day happening <laughs> for like two yeah, weeks. And lot. then everyone was, <laughs> was done. Everyone was done for a little while after that. And then we got back into it, but. You do you do have to be careful with burnout. I have played three games a day sometimes, and it is it can be uh, emotionally exhausting, That's mentally a lot. exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I find it less so when you're playing GMless games than with like campaign games yeah. for some reason. But <laughs> anyway, so that was one of the things was the community. Uh, what was the other aspect yes. that you said was really important? Yeah, so um, playing TTRPGs really helped me to explore my sexuality and realize that I, well, I was starting to, to feel that I might be bisexual before I started playing games, but playing okay. them and deciding consciously early on that every single character I was going to play was going to be gay, um, <laughs> it's just more fun that way. and. The very first time I, I just, it was kind of on the spur of a moment, I was playing a hack of Firebrands um, and I was playing a, uh, a dryad um, of, a, of a myrtle tree and I was like, you know what? She has three girlfriends and <laughs> that was just how that, that was just how that game went. And then I was like, that was really fun. I'm going to do that all the time now. And playing throughout that year with uh, friends who are LGBTQ and um, playing romantic games with them was a really helpful way for me to solidify and be pretty, pretty sure and confident to know that I was bisexual. And that is how I identify. So, and now I have a girlfriend and I'm very happy. So... <laughs> You know, I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, that's great. Uh, I love that self-discovery aspect too of these things because you don't yeah. get to see it all the time, but sometimes when it pops up, it's it's phenomenal, especially with tabletop yeah, role-playing games. Um, yeah, and there are so many in the indie in the indie game community that are like oh, inherently absolutely. meant to be queer, and that is just so helpful. <laughs> And and you said that you wanted to make Wisp something. We when we were talking, you said that you wanted to make Wisp something that's inherently queer. Uh, can I ask how? Because I am a straight white cis guy. Uh, I don't see it, but I, sure. I have friends who I've talked um, about it with, and they've gone, yeah. So there's a few aspects. I mean the 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 most obvious one is the one the way that I made it impossible for it to be straight, which is that I just said the Wisps doesn't have a gender. That's and true. because the Wisp doesn't have a gender, it cannot be a straight game. Um, <laughs> that's just impossible. That's the simple way to say it, and that's like the way to explain it to people who are cis and straight. 
but it's not just that. That's just, that's my, that was my, um, my trick to make sure that it had to, had to be queer. But the, um, the actual game itself is, it's a story of two completely, uh, different entities exploring a relationship in a, in a very unconventional way. And I don't know. <laughs> no, that's that. I And a I lot of that. it is not. I... Yeah. A lot of it is not, um, not explicitly romantic, but when it is, I don't know. It's just the whole, the f- whole feel of the game has always led to, it doesn't have to be romantic, but there is intimacy there. And it doesn't have to be, there are, you know, there are queer people who are not romantic. Yeah. This game can also be aromantic. It can also be asexual. It's, but it's about intimacy between two very different entities. And it does not, it's not about gender. (laughs) And that translates to the players. I think you, you see that from what I've heard from your your streams of the game, it's definitely very apparent. I've only played it with queer people and I've only heard people, the queer people play test it. So I can't necessarily confirm what it would be like for someone who is not in uh, the LGBTQ plus community. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that has been, that has definitely been the experience so far. That's that. I think that's incredible. Um, especially with you look at, like the big names with like uh like dungeons and dragons and it's it's not there's a very vocal minority in the community who makes it very hard mm-hmm. for some people to join in yes and so when i see indie developers doing that i i makes me really happy uh, that there's some representation for things that are a little bit better than than wizards of the coast version of the dnd <laughs> right now <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm not even going to get into that because I could rant about that for like an hour. But, so could um, I. <laughs> let, oh, yeah. We should talk after. <laughs> but let's step back and actually talk about what just finished up a couple days ago as of recording, your Kickstarter. You were looking for $600 originally. I was. I was planning... Um, I wanted to, I wanted to, uh, turn Wisp into a zine. That was all I was going to do originally. Okay. I could have done that with $600. <laughs> so I, that is what I asked for. I also had absolutely zero. I am not a very confident person. Um, I have a lot of optimism for everyone around me, but not a lot for my own projects. Uh, oh, so I, I, I was, I, you know, I, I wanted to make sure in Kickstarter, when you're setting up setting up your Kickstarter, they're like, make sure you, you don't set it too high or you'll not get anything. And I was like, okay, well, I don't want to not get anything, so I'll I'll set it low. And I, even I thought 600 was too high. And I, but I was like, that's what I did. So I did that. And then it passed. Uh, I, I had stretch goals set up. I had set stretch goals of $1,000 and $2,000 that I did not think I was going to hit. And I hit them both in three days. So Very fast. Yeah. When I the, kickstarted your project, it must have been day of. Because I think you were at about $200. And 
I threw in yeah. some money to go towards that. I was very excited about this because it sounded interesting. That was a, that would have been early hours because it actually passed 600 oh. within five hours. So, <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah. I must have stumbled um... across it real early then. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you ended up just shy of sixteen thousand. Yeah, sixteen thousand dollars. Yeah, almost. Um, it's crazy. I was just going to say, uh, the reason why it blew up, I'm pretty sure, is Kickstarter, like, someone from Kickstarter saw it really early, like, before it was even actually live. They had emailed me and said that they liked it, and so it, it was a, like, Kickstarter game we love, project we love thing. Like, it got that badge oh. on it, which meant that it got highlighted. Um mm. Yeah. So that's, I think, the main reason why it got as much attention as it did. I guess I set it up in a way that looked appealing to people at Kickstarter, which was nice. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. Also, like, my yeah. friends shared it and people in the in the indie game community shared it a lot. So uh, people mm -hmm. were talking about it, which is, yeah, very exciting <laughs> and overwhelming. So, it's exciting, overwhelming. What were some of the other, like, what was going on when you saw how this was going when you realized you really had something special going on? Well, <laughs> um, people with anxiety will probably feel this with me. Um, I, I have a lot of anxiety and I have a lot of imposter syndrome. And uh, I know that I knew that the game had potential. I, I know that I'm very proud of the game and the way and everything that I did to work on it. Um, and I know that every playtest has had the same incredible feedback that the people love the game and the game is beautiful and everything that I wanted it to be. But I still, like, as the numbers went up and up and up, I was like, oh, are people going to be happy with the product that I'm giving them? Are they going to be disappointed with after putting this much into it? Um, I, I hope that everyone will love it, but th that is kind of... As someone with anxiety, that is kind of a thing that has been going on in my head. I think people are going to really enjoy this game. I really do. Um, I hope so. You're not trying That's to... That's also why I kept adding things, too, you know? <laughs> I was like... <laughs> the pins I, are I, adorable. I, I, from the beginning, I wanted to... I was like, oh, it'd be so cool if I could make a whole game box. And I had ideas for that. But then after we, we funded the game boxes, I was like, well, now what do I do? We, we're still going up. Like, I feel like I have to keep doing stuff. <laughs> so I made stickers and I was like, these are celebration stickers for passing whatever we passed at that time. I can't remember 10. I, I don't remember what we passed. Oh, I think that was it the 600% was... of the original goal was when I did the stickers. Yes. And then, yeah. And then we passed 10,000 and I was like, well, I need to do like a commemorative thing for this. So I'm making pins for everyone, which you don't have to pay for. I'm just sending them out to everyone as a like special thank you for how crazy this went um yeah and then i decided to also donate some to charity after everything's all done because i would like to give back so yeah <laughs> uh so this obviously happened during quarantine and lockdown and covid how did covid affect the development of this game uh i mean it probably wouldn't have happened without <laughs> To be honest, that's, I was... That's very true. <laughs> I... So, 
this game came together from a lot of different like angles. I wrote a different game before this. I wrote Be Fae Do Crimes, which is a game that I'm going to be kickstarting in the future at some point. I, I really love that game too. Very, very different vibes. It's a, a rollicking adventure, weird, like, yeah. uh, <laughs> very silly game that I love a lot. Um, it's but a total that was the first tone. game that I wrote. <laughs> Absolutely different tone unintentionally that just is how the game turned out <laughs> and i'm i'm fine with it uh but we'll we could talk about that game another time um anyway oh, i wrote course. that game I'd love to. <laughs> uh i wrote that game and that was kind of had me start thinking about writing other games and then that game also has a coin flip mechanic which is kind of why i brought the coin flip mechanic into this game as well where I got the idea to add it uh but then my friend uh my friend Weston hosted a game writing jam called ghost to ghost it was a ghost game writing jam and I was like you know what I've been I had an idea I had been mulling over the idea of a will of the wisp game and I was like this is the push I need (laughs) so I wrote it for that game jam um and yeah it all kind of came together in about a week of writing about a lot of a lot of writing prompts and figuring out mechanics and then I started playtesting with my friend Renata and that's when the whole game came together um we figured out uh, extra mechanics and ways to make the game figuring out how to end the game was the kind of the big challenge because I was like you really you could just slide back and forth on the scales forever <laughs> if you if it if the coin slipped that way yeah so eventually we figured out mechanics that involve that give the the players a little bit more autonomy and let them uh, influence each other's emotions in a way that would lead towards an ending rather than just sliding back and forth forever (laughs) i don't know if i answered your initial question (laughs) nope that's you did you did because like you said it didn't really exist before and then it grew into something this really grew into something way bigger than you expected way bigger yeah. than i expected personally and that's the that tagline is... for the game uh actually is a thing that came from a game i played in the fall of 2019 it was the first fey game i'd ever played which was under hollow hills also by vincent baker it is my favorite game to exist in the world uh it is a game about fairies <laughs> <laughs> it's a game about fairies who run a circus. Um, it's amazing. Oh, that's so fun. And yeah, I was playing a Will-O-The-Wisp in that game. And I had kind of created for myself a a, a version of a Will-O-The-Wisp um, who had like a bog dimension that was a part of her, basically. And so I was like, you know, there's there's many different ways of putting a person in a bog, including in your bog dimension. And that's kind of where the tagline of this game came from. There, there's more than one one way to put a person in a bog. <laughs> so oh, that's a part a dark of that, that also that led too. into. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's what I. I'm pretty proud of that tagline, to be honest. <laughs> it's so good, though. But we're running close to end of time here, so I got two more questions for you. So, what's some advice okay. you can give to people who are looking to make their own game? 
um, write down your idea as soon as you have it in a note on your phone or wherever you take notes. That's where I did it. Add to it every time you have another idea for it until it's in your head all the time and then just sit down and write it. That's how both all of my games have happened. You just you write down a million ideas that don't seem like they connect and then you figure out how to connect them. And then once you do that, talk to a community of people who also write games and play games. Um, a lot of Wisp mechanics got figured out with me talking to people in my gaming community um, and also figuring out, uh, deciding between prompts and things like that all happened with my community. So um, find a community that you can talk to. Of there, there are a lot of indie game designers out there, small, small indie game designers that would like that just love to talk about game mechanics and it's great. And then playtest, 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 playtest <laughs> until you figure <laughs> out playtest even before you have all everything figured out. Because that's how Wisp happened is I playtested before everything fi was figured out. That's how we figured out some of the really big, big and uh, dramatic mechanics in it. So that's incredible advice. Make sure that your product works. And Final question, where can people find more from you, more from Wisp, more from your games? Sure. Um, my I just changed the name of my my itch shop actually. So it's wilderflower.itch.io. Um, you can find an old version of Wisp there, but also if you wait a couple months, you can find the new version of Wisp there. Um, Perfect. That'll be there fully illustrated. Um, you can also find Be Fae Do Crimes and uh, another a uh, really, really simple game called Hedgewitch Tales that I wrote, um, which is really cute. It's one of the games I go to when I am having a bad day. So that's a good, I would recommend that one if you're, if you need a, a cheer me up, <laughs> pick me up. Pick me up. Um, yeah. And you can <laughs> find me on Twitter at Aredel, A-R-E-D-H-E-L underscore underscore. That's, that's probably it. Should I talk about my podcast? It's totally unrelated, but... Oh, 100%. No, pl plug your podcast right now. It's the best time to do it. We'll even link it in the description. Sure. Okay. Um, I also uh, am a co-host on a Harry Potter critical reread podcast called Potternaut, P-O-T-T-E-R-N-A-U-G-H-T. It is a podcast for people who grew up loving Harry Potter and now don't know what to do because the author is a horrible person. Um, so we we explore we explore all of the conflicting emotions of that experience while we're reading the books <laughs> and it's also it's also very good i'm not a harry potter thank fan, you and i love potter not <laughs> oh thank you i appreciate that it's yeah it's fun i like it <laughs> all right well that's about all the time we have adela thank you so much for coming on uh, it was a pleasure. Thank I look so forward for to me. hopefully. Yeah, I look forward to hopefully having you back down the line. Maybe we'll talk about being new crime or updates on Wisp. Sure. To everybody else out there, please go look into the daily stuff. It is incredible. It is fun. Uh, check out Potter Not. Thank you so much. Thank you again to Adela for coming onto the show. This episode has been long in the making, and getting to talk about Wisp has been something that I've been really looking to do for a couple of months now. 
If you want to know more about Adela, you can find her games in the podcast she's on, Pot or Not, in the description below. Adela will also be donating a portion of the WISP proceeds to the Center for Indigenous Environmental Resources. They help build sustainable Indigenous communities and protect lands and waters. So if that's something you would like to investigate further and maybe donate to, that will also be linked below. Thank you again to all of you for joining me on this episode of Scheduled for Launch. We are fast approaching that 10 episode mark, which is very exciting and really scary at the same time. I hope we can keep working together to bring some independent creators and strengthen them all at the same time. The next episode will be out May 18th, where I will talk to the creator of Animon Stories, Zach. I hope to see you all there.